are you ready for some truly brutal plants this week? Well, stick around for my visit to Big Cactus Rescue. Welcome to the show. I'm Jane Perrone and this here is my podcast on the ledge packed with so much plant information for your ears that you may well need to listen twice. A soup song of housekeeping. Just a reminder that I'm performing live at the Hampton Court Palace Flower Show this very night, Friday the 8th of July at 9pm in the Marketplace Theatre with my special guest Janelle Leon. So if you catch this episode early and you're able to pop along, please come and say hello. I will have on the ledge merch to hand out to anyone who reveals themselves as a fan. If you can't make it to the show and still fancy getting your hands on some On The Ledge merchandise, there's 15% off everything in my On The Ledge shop starting today and running till the 12th of July. All you need to do is visit the shop to take advantage of that discount. Pick yourself up an On The Ledge t-shirt, hat, tote bag, badge. Pop along to janeperone.com and click on the shop link to go straight through and make your purchases. Right, plug over. Let's get cracking with my chat to Martin. Martin is a live sound engineer by trade. So before the pandemic, he spent a lot of time away from home traveling. But when COVID hit, all of that disappeared. And so what did he fill his time with? Well, I think you can guess. I went to meet Martin in his back garden greenhouse last week to find out about his passion for spiny plants and why you shouldn't take yourself too seriously on Instagram. Do, as always, check out the show notes while you're listening for any plant names that you might miss and also links to tons of useful info and pictures of Martin's amazing greenhouse. I'm Martin. I've run the Instagram page Big Cactus Rescue. Been doing it for a couple of years. We're here in your greenhouse, accompanied by your tortoise. What's your tortoise's name? I didn't ask that. Sherman. Sherman. Perfect name for a tortoise. We're here in your greenhouse, and it's kind of weird being in here because I've seen so many <laughs> stories and reels of this wonderful greenhouse and your cacti that it's kind of cool to be finally here. I guess I want to know where this all started. I've always been kind of interested in cactus, but never knew anything about them. Um, And then, yeah, I was working a lot, and then the pandemic hit and everything suddenly stopped. So I suddenly had time, and it was kind of the same time I moved here and had a big garden. I was trying to think of things to do with it, and and then it quickly... (laughs) escalated <laughs> I mean talk about quickly escalated Martin we're in here how, roughly how many cacti probably a good 200 or more probably more must I've be more no than idea. that yeah I've never counted them it's best not to it no. really is best not to what was it about cacti in particular I mean you've we've been through your house just walked through your house and you've got some house plants in there so obviously you are growing other kinds of plants but what is it about cacti in particular that set you on fire I don't know I mean initially 
I don't really know. They just kind of look cool. But the more you learn about them, the more fascinating they become. Like, they're incredibly hardy. You can, you know, from where they come from, they hardly get any water. They live in full sun. They, yeah, and if you, if you can cut them up and they'll just grow roots, like... So they're ideal if you're away quite a lot because it doesn't really matter if you don't water them. You can leave them alone and they do their own thing. They actually do better if you just leave them alone. So... We must mention the metal connection because anyone who's watched your Instagram (laughs) will know that your reels are not accompanied by the usual bog standard kind of tunes that you get. They're accompanied by a wonderful sort of thrashing soundtrack of presumably some of your favourite tracks. Yeah, I don't really know how that started. (laughs) It's awesome, can I just (laughs) say. I mean, I've always been into metal and I just kind of... When I made the Instagram account, I didn't really know what I was doing with it. And I just found it funny putting a picture of a beautiful flower with some screaming metal. <laughs> and it just became a thing. And now I can't stop it. It's like, that's the little niche that I've found. And lots of people are into it. And it's fun. It is really fun. Even if you're not a fan of that particular genre. I'm not going to say it's my it's my favourite. But I just love the way you combine tracks. And your sense of humour in on your Instagram is wonderful. Have you had... What reaction do you get from the kind of the old guard, older uh, cactus grower, collector to what you're doing? Well, I don't think they really see it. Like, mm. there's a huge community of people, of younger people who are just getting into this hobby. And obviously there's millions of older people, but the two tend to be quite separate. Like, the older people have got a hell of a lot to teach and they know everything. So it's like, you know, speaking to them is like quite amazing but yeah instagram tends to be a sort of younger crowd and especially the ones that follow me because it's all screaming metal and does anybody i think i saw something recently where somebody was taking objection to your uh soundtracking of cacti well i've got this running sort of theme which is just a joke about you know hail satan and satanism (laughs) which is just to me is just funny heavy metal imagery i don't take it seriously at all obviously there's some people who might find that slightly offensive which i find even more hilarious <laughs> so push it even further the whole satanic panic thing is just funny to me yeah i mean i i i do find it really funny as well i mean anyone who can even imagine that you're taking that seriously <laughs> i don't quite know where their head is at but no. um it, it does make me laugh I mean, but the music to me does add something because, as you say, these plants are kind of extreme plants. Yeah, they're brutal plants and they go well with brutal music. What is some of the most brutal plants in your collection? I mean, I'm just turning around to look at some of these guys because uh, I think we might have some brutality over here. Oh, yeah, this is the brutal section. My favourites and the most brutal are Ariocarpus over there and Copiapoa different habitats the copiapoa are from chile they grow in the atacama desert where they get practically no rain they get mist only and they grow incredibly slowly and there's a lot of variation depending on where they're from the same species can look completely different depending on where it grows and the same with um growing them in a greenhouse or growing them you know in habitat if you're really horrible to them hard grow them full sun no water they look more like they do in Habitat, which is amazing, crusty and gnarly and brutal. 
They are gnarly and brutal. This is very, <laughs> very, very true. And then the Areocarpus, I think, again, very, very brutal, but they've got a slightly different vibe going on. I mean, one could even say a little bit fluffy here. We've got a bit of fluff. I wonder if some of these uh, features are, um, as you say, very little rainfall, but maybe they're collecting uh, fog or something. Is that how they're getting their moisture? No, these are from Mexico, so they do get rain in the okay. summer. Um, but they grow in limestone, which most plants can't grow in, like pure, out of the rock. Um, and yeah, they're pretty brutal too. They look cool. Again, they're super slow growing, which appeals to me because I find it fascinating that a plant would evolve to grow so slowly. But it's because they have so few resources, practically no soil, very little water, harsh sun and yeah look how cool they look yeah they're like sort of a some kind of i want to say some kind of star but that sounds it's too sort of sparkly it's like some kind of negative of a star or something <laughs> it's just this and the what i also love about your collection is they're all planted or mostly planted in terracotta which i personally love and you've done a lot of careful work with the substrates here uh tell me a little bit about how you choose the substrates for your cacti so the pots uh, i'm almost obsessed about the pots as i am about the plants <laughs> like i've acquired a lot of these old clay pots and they're quite i mean they're not hard to find but to get a big collection of them you have to be on the lookout all the time but they tend to be like behind people's sheds and mm -hmm. you know neighbors have got them and don't know what to do with them they're all over the place you just have to collect them and yeah i love them they're cool there's a lot of benefits to plastic pots, but these really old Victorian clay pots, they're not porous, so they act just like plastic pots, and they're great. And I, substrate, yeah, I just sort of... I'm always looking for cool gravel when I'm out walking or running, and I'd go out <laughs> with, a, with a little hammer and collect it. And how do you know that you're... I mean, presumably that's just sort of geo, geological knowledge that you're getting the right substrate do you worry about ph and things like that or well they're porosity? all pretty much everything is potted with cat, cat litter mm -hmm. it's cat litter with a little bit of soil mixed in and pretty much everything does well in that and mm -hmm. the top dressing is just to make them sort of look right. like the habitat that they would grow got in you. so the areocarpus have got limestone on the top mm -hmm. but i wouldn't pot everything in pure limestone right got you i do love these terracotta pots i too have an obsession and i just love the differences between them and i <laughs> i'm I, i've got to the sort of connoisseur stage where i'm like oh yes now this is a really old one because you can see it's been you know thrown by hand or something it they are each very individual and beautiful and as you say lots of people don't really put much value in them and don't really want you know happy to get rid of them so this is how you can beg steal and borrow terracotta pots yeah. isn't it and yeah you do get to become a bit of a connoisseur you can sort of tell how old they are and mm. when they were made and what factory they're made in just by looking at them once you've yeah. hung around with them for long enough you have got some things in plastic what do you use plastic for is it is it the younger seedlings coming through yeah just the seedlings there's just yeah they need tiny little pots and there's too many of them to pot in terracotta You've, this is an, something I've never asked a cactus person before, but square pots, is it just that it's 
you can tessellate them and save space. Or yeah. is there anything more to the square pot which no, seems it's to be purely that you can fit more yeah. on, on the bench? Yeah, that is a pretty good strategy. They are very popular. I've got very few. They're not very popular square pots apart from cacti and succulents. I think so. No, that's because cacti and succulent collectors get obsessed and end up running out of space, so they have to squeeze as many as they possibly can. I'm sure. I'm sure you're right. So you've built up this collection quite quickly. Where were you getting the parts from? So, initially, I made the Instagram account Big Cactus Rescue, and. That was just a silly play on the big cat rescue that was on. Remember, oh, the the Tiger King, Tiger that King. We were watching during lockdown. The right. whole world. So I just <laughs> made a silly play on that. But a few people assumed that because it was called that, I rescue cacti, and they were like, oh, "I've got some cactus that you know I need to get rid of. Can you do you collect them?" And I was like, "Uh, actually, yeah, okay, sure." <laughs> and that kind of went on and on, and then I. Um, yeah, I just drove around collecting people's abandoned old plants. And then I wrote an article in my greenhouse for the BCSS magazine. And quite a few people contacted me after that, saying, would you like you know, to come collect some plants? And it grew quite quickly from that. That is a real problem in the cactus collecting hobby, isn't it? Where you get older collectors who just can't look after their plants anymore. And... What do you do with a load of cacti that are large, unwieldy, not necessarily something that any old person would want to have in their house because not everyone is like us and can see the attraction? Yeah, yeah, there is. I mean, the cactus collecting in this country has got a very, very old history. The BCSS has been going a long time. So a lot of the people that were really into it are now getting to the point where they're very old and can't necessarily look after their plants or they're passing away sadly and then their family inherit all this these huge collections and they have no idea what to do with it mm. and i think the best thing to do with it is pass it on um because these plants will live longer than people you know they yeah. they live a very very long time so i sort of see myself as a caretaker of these now and eventually i'll pass them on to someone else and that's what happens it's a fantastic collection. Is there, as a clearly a collector, are there other things that you're still in search of that you haven't yet managed to get hold of to add either to these collections or other genera? Um, I'm always always on the lookout. The price of things has gone crazy, so I'm not mm. like buying up quite as enthusiastically as I was at first because the prices of everything has gone up. But yeah, there's loads of stuff I haven't got. I mean, it never, ever ends. It, it will never end. It, like, I've just recent, more recently got into these African cordisiform type things, and that's a whole other world. Oh, in my itself. gosh, yes. I see you've, <laughs> you've got a lovely big um, syningia there. That's a beautiful uh, specimen. Yeah, that's awesome. That belonged to an old lady. She had it for, like, 60-odd years. Is that, that's, is that Luca Trica? Yeah. The size of that... Oh, no. oh, my gosh. Like, I've never seen one that big. That's no, a good... Not many people have. It's what? I don't know, 20, 30 centimetres across that tuber? I don't even know. Yeah. That's impressive. That is a beautiful plant. Well, I just did an episode on those recently in the podcast, and, uh, yeah, they're fa- really fascinating plants. They are. And then you've got the the, the adenia, um, and also just a plant that from my childhood that used to be really popular, but 
really went out of fashion, Euphorbia um, Millii. Yeah, that's a couple of them. <laughs> I mean, that again is a really brutal plant. It is. It is. That's. I mean, I remember being seriously spiked by that, but also quite beautiful with those um, coloured bracts of red and and green um, and different colours. But not very popular anymore. They used to sell them everywhere. I don't know where what's happened with those. I guess people are too health and safety. Maybe I've never actually seen one until I got those. I didn't know anything about them. Yeah. Obviously now I know everything about them. Yeah, <laughs> you've you've, you've <laughs> caught up. Let's talk about uh, getting attacked by your cacti. Like this must be occasionally a hazardous sport. Are you quite clever? At people talk avoiding? about getting attacked by them, right? But <laughs> they don't move. <laughs> It's you attacking them and them defending themselves. Just That's give, a good point. Give them space and they're fine. <laughs> that is a really, really but good no, point. But no, you get, you get. I mean, I'm sure you know. You can handle them all you want. It's just the right amount of pressure. You can yes, do whatever you yeah. want. If you squeeze on them, they're going to stick. But how, but how no. about repotting? Any repotting tips? Because I think that's where I usually come a cropper is underestimating how heavy something is as I try to turn it out or. Yeah. I mean, really, there are some really obscenely spiky stuff that you, you cannot touch as much as gentle as you yeah, are. Yeah. Um, so just like a towel or something, just wrap it in a towel or something like that is what I generally do. But I just let them spike me. I quite enjoy it. It's fine. <laughs> it, it, you definitely know you're alive yeah, when you've exactly. uh, had an encounter with one of these uh, plants. I think that is what I would say about it. Um, I guess I'm just a really clumsy person and I do... I mean, I have quite a few agaves about the size of the ones you've got here, you know, like 25 centimetres across, which I regularly trip over, fall onto. I just, I'm just not very careful. That's basically my problem, I think. <laughs> but, you know, if you're going to get impaled by something, I mean, that is, you know, an agave spike like this one I'm just touching here is kind of an epic thing to be impaled on. They are. They're actually <laughs> dangerous, the agaves. I've got a giant they are. one out there. Your I mean, huge one, yeah. You kind of, if you bend over to kind of look at it, just one will just stick you in the face. They're really... Yeah, yeah, you have to be. Eye injuries, I think, are the one thing I do genuinely worry about. But then you've got lovely things like the monkey tail here, which is so beautifully tactile. And, you know, if you want a little bit of mindfulness, you can just come and give that a little stroke. It's still brutal, though. It's st- it is still brutal. <laughs> It is still very brutal. You, I would say, looking at this collection of plants, that flowers are not your particular passion, although you have got some flowering cacti. Well, all of them flower, and I love the flowers. And also, that's part of your, presumably part of your breeding programme, in that you're, you're collecting the seed at the end of it to... Yeah, yeah, I've got um, quite a, a ridiculous amount of seed going, and I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do with it all. It's all in the propagator in little tubs. Right. Um, I've got a lot of Areocarpus coming, but they're so slow they take, you know, two years before they're sort of the size of a pea. But that's a good thing, I think, in a way, because unlike, say, growing, I don't know, tomatoes or even, you know, the Swiss cheese plant, you can have that little tub for two years and you don't have to do anything with it. It's uh, It's quite liberating in some ways. Yeah. And I guess that's for me is part of the joy of this hobby is that you're sort of taking understanding and getting a sense of the whole process from that tiny seed right up to the massive venerable plant at the end of it that's been going for years and years. Yeah. And tell me a bit about watering. 
you've got all your plants on this lovely sturdy staging here. Is it just a question of flooding this every now and again and letting them soak it up I in those lovely terracotta pots? So I've got three uh, water butts out there. They collect rain from the roof of the greenhouse. Then I've got a little electric pump that goes to okay. a hose. And yeah, I just sort of water each one individually. Mm-hmm. About every two weeks, maybe less with the bigger pots. I My question with that is, do you have a nice sort of really fine thing on that because i am finding that i displace mulches doing it that way so i've experimented and experimented with different methods of water and every single one takes all day (laughs) i can't there's nothing i can do about it but i think i've got it nailed now whereby the because the ideal way is with a little watering can that i've got it's perfect because you can adjust the flow Mm -hmm. And it doesn't just blast off the top dressing. Mm-hmm. But I've got this watering handle thing now that acts very much like a little watering can and it just trickles water on nicely. It doesn't squirt, you know, spray it. It just pours at the right speed, so it's real easy. And I've also now got to the point where I've repotted everything in pretty almost pure cat litter, the molar clay cat mm-hmm. litter stuff. So it just saps water, it absorbs it really, really quickly, which mm-hmm. makes watering really easy. If you've got a pot that, you know, is compacted a bit and you can't get the water in, it's really frustrating mm-hmm. because you have to keep going back to it while it slowly sucks it in. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's talk more about this cat litter issue because I think some listeners might be confused, although it's fairly common in cactus collecting circles. You've got to get the right cat litter, haven't Definitely. you? Definitely. <laughs> it's, it's the molar clay, the pink molar clay. They sell it under various different brands. But it acts just like pumice. Like a lot of people use pumice, it's really absorbent, so it keeps the water away from the roots, but it still maintains the humidity, and it drains really, really fast. But the cat litter is just a lot cheaper than pumice Mm. in this country anyway. I mean, you know, in America you can get pumice everywhere. But here you can get it at, you know, pet shops, and it's super cheap, so... Do you have to rinse that through first? Does it come a bit dusty or does it... No, do you just there's stick no it dust in? in it. That's the great thing. You can use it pretty much straight. I mix it with like a, a sieve John-ins, just a bit of that, just to sort of bind it together. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's good stuff. I recommend it. And I've got everything in it now and everything in it works. So you know, you know, when you've watered, they're all going to be at about the same level. The bigger pots will take it a little bit longer to dry out, but generally everything's dry by a week or two. And does the supermarket think you've got loads of cats? <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I've got a account with pets at home now, so I get a discount with. Them. Oh yeah, okay. Because I imagine you're getting through quite a lot of cat litter. Uh, but then again, repotting. I mean, I guess when you get a new plant, then you might want to change the substrate and stuff, but. A lot of these plants, I imagine, will be in the same, same pot, pot for, for years, a, yeah. a long time. Yeah. I've done an awful lot of repotting, but now I've got to the point where I'm kind of happy with the mix and I'm happy with everything. So they only need to be repotted when they outgrow the pot, really, when they grow so slow that, you know, that'll be a while. And you can just pick and choose which one you want to do instead of doing everything, which is a nightmare. And what about uh, pests in here? Do you have any preventative measures for things like mealybugs, which can be a peril? Yeah, so there's no mealybugs in here, touch wood. Um, 
every single new plant that I get, I will strip it of all its soil, blast it with a hose within an inch of its life, clean it, soapy water, completely scrub it, and then give it a bath in a pesticide solution before I repot it and before it comes in the greenhouse. And doing that has kept them away. I mean, a lot of the plants that I've been given and collected are completely infested with mealybugs and I can't have them coming in here so literally every plant I'll I'll treat before it comes in. Yeah, it's got to be done because it's such a terrible <laughs> such a terrible problem, isn't it? Yeah. It's a real it's a real uh, issue. But that sounds like a good preventative uh, regime to keep them uh, from causing problems. I mean, you've got another greenhouse there. Is there is this am I going to come back in 5 years time and there's going to be like four greenhouses here? The- there's been various greenhouses I've, this one's fairly new um, I had another one that was a bit smaller and I keep yeah, filling them and then having to get a bigger one, it seems to be the way and I think, I've, what I'd like to do eventually is get one that's at least double the width of this and then get rid of that one, so that I've got just one, because I have to heat it in winter and heating more than one greenhouse just becomes mm-hmm. ridiculous so just heating one is sort of manageable uh, so yeah, I'll get a big one eventually, probably. And in winter, obviously the UK gets a little bit cold, not ridiculously cold. Uh, do you insulate and what kind of heating are you using and what temperature are you keeping it at? Um, I should insulate. <laughs> but, um, I've insulate with bubble wrap, but last year I didn't because I just... Couldn't be bothered. It's such a massive yes, job. I, I totally hear you. <laughs> like the only way to do it is to take everything out, and it's mm. just got to the point where I don't have anywhere to put everything. So no, I don't insulate. I use two fan heaters in here, and they're both on separate temperature controllers at either end. Uh, I don't let it get below five degrees, and that's it really. So the fans are on pretty much twenty-four hours, just moving air around, and the fan heaters kick on and off on cold nights but only it doesn't really get that cold down here so it's only a few nights of the year that the fun heaters Mm. are working hard Mm -hmm. yeah it's we're not in this part of the country i think you're it's not usually in the winter it's not too bad last year was quite mild wasn't it but so we never know but uh i think uh you're right about the insulation it is such a faff yeah (laughs) such a pain it does make a difference but and then you've got to take it down like a few months later yeah oh i i totally hear you do you grow any cacti indoors or do you keep them all out here do you find it's easier to get the right conditions yeah they're all out here in the summer there's a few more sensitive ones that can't handle the five degrees that i'll move indoors i keep them all on windowsills i've got some grow lights on most of the windowsills um (laughs) So the Brazilian stuff and some of the African stuff that... I mean, the vast majority of, of cactus and succulents can handle really, really, really low temperatures. Just fine, so long as they're completely dry, but there's a few that can't if they're from more sort of tropical places. So, yeah, I have a nice little display on the windowsill in the bedroom in the winter, which is quite nice. So do you, when do you stop watering these guys to, to make sure they're nice and dry for that winter season? When? Um... They, they want to be sort of completely dry by October. Yeah. Late October. And it starts, if it gets below 10 degrees at night, then they want to be dry. And then I don't start watering again until it gets above 10 degrees at night, which is 
I don't know, late spring. So there's a good sort of eight months where they're completely dry. And it's great because in the spring when the first water in, they're just, they're all shriveled and shrunken <laughs> and, you know, looking really ill. And then you give them a drop of water and like a few days later, they're all twice the size and plumped up. I love that moment. It's yeah. so good, isn't it? Because you I, you almost sort of doubt yourself and you're thinking, oh, I've, I've done it this year. I've left it too long. I've left it too long. And then, you know, you you can stick to your guns. And then when you do water, you get that amazing reaction. It's always so tempting because, you know, when it's in the spring, when it's so bright and sunny and warm in the day, and you're like, let's water everything. But you've just got to hold off because nights get do still get cold. Yeah, yeah, it's great. The minute you give them some water, they all burst into flower and they swell up and it's it's a good time. It is indeed. It really is impressive. And you you have got some really impressive specimens in here. Any particular favourites or standouts for you that you want to tell me about? Yeah, so this one, um, what we were talking about Yeah, earlier. the Sininja. Yeah, the Sininja. It, it's so cool. It belonged to a, an old lady and she'd had it for like 60 years and she used to carry it from her greenhouse to her house every winter and then back again in the spring but it just got to the point where it was too heavy for her so she asked me if I wanted it and I was like hell yeah <laughs> but it is, wow. it's actually I, pretty heavy like, is, that could be a record breaker I don't know that looks I've never seen one that big um, and I've looked even you know if you do the hashtag on Instagram and millions come up like they're all little tiny little things and uh, it's the leaves are sort of drowning out all the stuff behind it now yeah but the leaves completely die back as you know and, mm-hmm. and it just sits on the living room floor in winter i mean i don't know how old it is I, I wouldn't know it's hard to say isn't it it's just imp- so impressive it's such an impressive plant yeah any others well we talked about the areocarpus before oh we can talk about the <laughs> these things i've been growing well which uh, mirabilis Ah, you know about these? I do. I was just reading. I don't know if you've got the new cactus world. Yeah, there was a, a little article in Cactus World about them. Yeah, I've been growing the for quite some time, Journal. and absolutely fascinating. They're not. They are. I mean, I will put some information in the show notes for more for those who want to seek out more information because they are completely. I mean, I was the leaves. I think the leaves can get. In habitat, they don't get that long, obviously, but I think the leaves can get like 150 meters long or something ludicrous. Yeah, they just keep but on it takes growing. them like a thousand yeah. years to do that. But in the desert, they get all shredded up and yeah. they just end up looking like a giant mound of, of just bizarre, like the most bizarre plant ever. So where did you get seed from for these? I got the seed from someone in South Africa. They sent me some and um, I had 200 seeds and this is kind of, they've got a few more in there, mm-hmm. but this is kind of the sum of that. The The germination rate is really, really bad. Mm. But once they get going, there's no stopping them. They grow slowly. Um, but yeah, after two or three years, they'll look like pretty decent plants. They're about a year old now. Mm. And I've got pretty obsessed with them. I've just built a new propagator that's in the living room. And I've just ordered a lot of seeds from... South Africa, so I'm just going to start sort of mass producing them because I don't think anyone's doing it really. There's a no. few people growing them. I think the problem is a lot of people assume that because they live in the desert that they're you know a succulent or a, an arid plant, but you can't let them dry out. You can't treat them like a succulent because they don't have any water storage facilities. They they need to be moist all the time, and 
apparently in the desert they do that by collecting um, mist. Mm-hmm. They grow on the coast and it's really misty in the morning. But if you let them dry out, they die. And if you try and repot them, and they have like one tiny little thin root. And if you break that while you're repotting them, they die. Uh, they just really kind of want to die. They don't really want to live. Now, that is metal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you've got them in these, these uh, compared to everything else in here, these very tall pots. I guess that's f- to accommodate that long, thin Yeah, they root have a massive and... tap root. And obviously, I think in habitat, they go very, very deep to try and find water. But they're quite happy in a, in a fairly normal pot. They just, the root curls around mm-hmm. the bottom of the pot. Um, but they seem to grow faster in a deeper pot. And that's, yeah, super cool, super cool plants. I mean, are you thinking that you're going to sort of, will you be going to cactus shows to sell these things or selling the mail order? How do you envisage? Because at some point you're going to have to, you can't keep all your seeds. (laughs) And I'm just looking here and thinking, yeah, you've got quite a lot of seedlings here. Yeah, um, yeah, I guess I'll, you know, sell them or trade them or whatever or just give them away. I don't know. I just find the process of growing them quite interesting. Um, but yeah, hopefully, if I can get enough Wallwitchia into out into collections, that would be quite a cool thing to do because mm. not a lot of people have them. Totally, totally. I mean, it's one of those plants where you just cannot believe. If if somebody had written a story where they had described this plant, you'd say, "Oh yeah, that you've made that's not <laughs> real." But actually, no, they are weirder than anything you can imagine. Um, yeah, yeah. They, they evolved before flowers so they don't have flowers because they existed before flowers did and and have remained unchanged since like the jurassic period or whatever and yeah they just sit there in the desert and it's the only thing that can live in that bit of namibia they just have like a huge field full of them and um i want to also ask you about where was it i'm just trying to see which one it was that i oh yes let's talk about the um I call it the lying down cactus, but I mean, that's not the technical term. You've got a cactus, uh, a common cactus, but it's obviously in habitat, grows horizontally, and that's how you've got it growing here. It's a Stenocereus aruca. They're super cool. They grow in Baja, California, in Mexico. And they, yeah, they grow lying down. They look like a normal sort of columnar cactus, but they grow along the floor. They're called the creeping devil because they do actually move across the desert whereby the front will grow the tip will grow and the back of it will die off so gradually over time they sort of creep along through the desert and they're incredibly spiky really aggressive spines and they produce like massive mats carpets of them if you see them in habitat they're crazy and then they produce little offsets which detach from the mother and crawl off in another direction. And you've got one just starting to do that there. Yeah, I don't know where he's going to crawl. It's going to go. You're going to have to have a sort of a, a, a some kind of right angles <laughs> <laughs> set up here. I don't quite know. You might have to modify a pot. It's quite difficult to grow them in because they do grow really, really long. Yeah. So some people grow them in like you know drain. What are they called? The drain pipes that go on the oh, side of houses. Yeah. So they grow. You start them at one side of the greenhouse and they just sort of work their way across. But yeah, fascinating plant. Creeping Devil is pretty metal as well. That is, I mean, that's a metal that's band name right there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. right there. If you wanted to start <laughs> another band, that's what you'd call it. 
<laughs> Any more? Anything else we want to point out? I mean, uh, there's just so many there's epic so plants many in here. Um, Anything that you would say? I mean, maybe it's that Sininja that's really, really old. That's that's you know getting into three figures age-wise. Old stuff. I mean, the, a lot of these copy powers. I mean, mm. A lot of these mature plants are around sort of forty, fifty years old. A lot of them, the people that grew them, kept quite meticulous notes, and they all were numbered. Um, so you can look at like the the log of you know mm-hmm. got all the information about when they were sown and when they were repotted and. You know, people really into that sort of thing, <laughs> keeping like, these notes. So some of them I know quite a bit of the history about. Others I know nothing about where they come from, but you can kind of compare the age. But, yeah, a lot of these bigger areocarpus are at least 40 years old. Um, Does that give you a sort of weight of responsibility that you're sort of taking on this legacy from other growers, that you've got to keep them... Yeah, definitely. ...looking good? Definitely, and you know these these they're forty, fifty, sixty years old, but they're still only babies. Really, they'll live to two hundred if they're looked after well. So it is a case of um, we just look after them, and eventually have to find someone to look after them after us. I guess it's like your tortoise. It's it's kind of the same thing. In tortoise is pretty cactus-like in, <laughs> in many many ways. Yeah. The, um, you know, lives in the desert, used to dry conditions and can survive anything. And he loves it in here. He gets to, to roam around and enjoy the heat and the sunshine. And Little greenhouse dog. Yeah. Like the, the Aztecium and the Geohintonia, they're probably the slowest growing plants on earth, I reckon. I've got some seedlings going and you're talking a millimetre in like two years. Wow. They grow in a very, very specific place in Mexico on pure gypsum, pure gypsum rock faces. Mm. Um, and some of them out there, you know, they're kind of 20, 30 centimetres and they must be hundreds of years old. Um, and that's super cool. Yeah, and I love the... Some of these pots you've got up here are really lovely. I mean, obviously you've got the terracotta pots, but you've also got some other cracked and textured pots which really set set off the the plant really well yeah these are in particularly in like california there's a lot of what do they call them potters ceramicists ceramicists, yes i think that's probably but it's a huge thing like in america at the cactus shows like a big part of the mark is presentation Mm. so they present them in these incredible pots and they you know, stage them with rocks and all sorts of things to make them look amazing. Whereas in Britain, that's kind of frowned upon. They're all presented in plastic pots. But I can see the, you know, both sides of the argument. It's about the plant rather than the presentation. But yeah, so these these are pots are a huge thing in America, and I follow quite a lot of the potters on Instagram, and they've very kindly sent me some cool pots. And also, these ones are from a guy called Paul Rogers in Wales, who's a really cool guy. He makes some lovely pots. And he doesn't... I feel like he doesn't really know how good he is, or, you know, that there's a market Mm. for his stuff. Mm. He struggles to sell them, I think, but he's brilliant. Um, He's at a few of the cactus shows and stuff. Mm. He mostly does bonsai. Bonsai pots are his thing. But there's a huge market, particularly in America, for this sort of pottery for cactus yeah the trouble is with it it's so expensive 
Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, to have a collection like this all in fancy pots, which a lot of people do, but they've got silly money, I think. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's where the terracotta pot comes in, I guess. It. I mean, it's, for me, it's very aesthetically pleasing, as well as being um, right for the plant and its care needs, which is the great combination for me. Um, you got to take. You got to be a little bit careful with these pots. They. I mean, I, I can see one up there, and I can. I know exactly that sank. I've got exactly that sanky pot with exactly that same piece of damage just on the <laughs> side there. But it adds to me, it, like the, you know, the 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 plant that's in there. It kind of adds to the appeal having a bit of a gnarly pot with a gnarly plant. Yeah, so definitely, it looks great. I mean, I think one of the things that strikes me about this collection is. I won't say the word all-consuming, but this must take up a lot of your time now. It, to, to be honest... Or is it all... Now it's all set up, <laughs> is it not so demanding? Now it's all set up. They look after themselves. They yeah. come in every... I mean, I come in every day to have a little potter, just because it's a lovely, calm, relaxing place to be. Especially now we've got a new puppy and it's chaos. <laughs> Um, yes, you're very, and the puppy is called Ario, which I presume is in reference to your plant. Ario Carpus, <laughs> yeah, Miss Carpus. That was the compromise of getting a puppy. I, I'm more of a cat person, but my partner Trixie really wanted a puppy, so I said, "Fine, as long as I can name it." <laughs> Fair enough. Yes, we, I think I probably had the same con- conversation with my uh, husband about my dog, which is why he's called Wolfie after the character in Citizen Smith. So. <laughs> <laughs> but there no, we go. it doesn't take up a lot of time really it's a day every couple of weeks to water everything and then just popping in to look at what new flowers you've got today and the only you... thing that takes the time is Instagram yeah like, I was going to say yeah. <laughs> dealing with people sending you messages on Instagram must be quite consuming well you can put in as much and as li- or as little as you want into it I quite enjoy it I've got quite a few I'd say I've made some pretty good friends on there like there's a although you know you get a lot of followers but there's still only a very small few people that you're constantly in touch with and it's nice it's a little community um so i just post stupid stories on there i don't really post that much content i post stories every pretty much every day um and yeah it's kind of amusing it's not really a job it's fun and that is a great way i guess to connect with other people like you who are on social media but also um, have collections of these plants and you know that's where you get seeds and connections and swaps going yeah. and all that fun stuff yeah have you found that people want to come and visit you are you thinking of having any open days or I don't know like the vast majority I mean, of the other, people other than me obviously who just <laughs> barges in <laughs> the, the vast majority of people on Instagram are, are from California True. Southern California, for some strange reason. I think out there it's really hip and cool for young people to grow these plants, whereas in this country in particular, it does tend to be fusty old old men. What can we do about the, that? On the whole. <laughs> what can we do about that? Anybody. No, no, totally, <laughs> I, I agree with you. It is, it's domi- the demographic is dominated by older males. Well, what do we do about that, though? Do we need to do anything about it? And if so, what I can we, we do? I think we definitely do. But what? I don't know. I think... I don't know, making... I mean, my, I feel like my Instagram is kind of some effort to do that. Um, but it's still... Only people who are already into plants are going to look for a plant-based Instagram account. 
So how you reach out beyond that, I don't know. I really don't know. I think, you know, when we were talking about the, the pots at shows only being presented in plastic pots and then being quite fusty affairs, maybe livening that up a little bit might be a good thing to move things forward. The BCSS is, is fantastic, and it is really trying hard to get new people involved, but it does need to do it a lot faster. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, once you do, the great thing is that those, the older men of the hobby, it's not like they're not incredible. The vast majority are, are incredibly happy to engage with you, whoever you are, and oh, yeah. give you information and, you know, send you seeds and swap plants with you and things. Yeah, nothing against them. I mean, they're lovely people, and I'm, like you say, more than happy to share information. It's just... I don't know how... It just seems to be that not many new young people are getting into it. I mean, I'm not young myself, you know. Um, don't know. It's tricky, isn't it? And yeah. if there was one... I mean, people people often say, oh, you know, cacti and succulents, they're easy. You just sort of leave them and let them get on with it. I kind of worry about that because it's so easy to go and buy something from a supermarket and that's planted in the wrong substrate and for it to keel over and turn to mush uh, if you were sort of giving some advice for people who stumble across this podcast and think wow this looks really cool but I don't know where to start what would your advice be to sort of get yourself going in this hobby what plant and what how do you get started um, look up the BCSS for a start they're absolutely brilliant wealth of knowledge and experience um, and it's super cheap to join as well it is why is it it's, it's no so idea. cheap How? because it's it's still the 60s in, in my head I think <laughs> I don't know it's crazy that you get that beautiful journal whatever is it four times a year yeah and it only costs 15 pounds <laughs> I don't under, I don't understand the the, um, the the sums but yeah it no. is really cheap I don't I have no idea how many members they've got but they can't I don't know they seem to do it it all works I don't yeah know. yeah but yeah, yeah join, right. the, join the bcss just get some plants and go to these like if you look on ebay for plants the prices of them are insane if you go to one of these little local bcss shows where it's collectors they're, you know, they're giving them away practically they're yeah. so cheap yeah and it's so sweet that they don't actually want any money they just want to pass on these plants or they want to make space for more plants i don't know yeah. yeah, go to a local um, meeting and pick up some plants there rather than the supermarket. Although That's supermarket advice. plants are pretty cool too, as long as you repot them. Yeah. Some really gritty soil. That's the main thing. You want the water to just fly through and them to dry out quite quick. The ones that you get from supermarkets tend to be potted in stuff. Because they've come from like incredible temperature control, humidity control, greenhouses, they're all right to grow in that stuff, but at home they don't do well indeed well that's great advice and you're right join the bcss and get along to some of those cactus cells uh, so it's a generous world and um once you get into it as you as you demonstrate very well it just explodes a little bit doesn't it, it but can, in a great way <laughs> i think the best thing to do is you know growing them in a greenhouse is a fantastic thing to do they grow in this country in particular they grow so well in a greenhouse mm. there's not much to it but I think the trick is get one greenhouse and when it gets full, that's it. 
get rid of some plants. Yeah. Don't just keep getting more and more and more greenhouses. Unless you want to, that's cool too, but you don't have to have millions. No, I'll remind you of that yeah, next time I come and see you. <laughs> that's my advice anyway. I'm not necessarily taking it myself. Well, that's the best kind of advice, I always think. Well, it's been lovely to meet you, Martin, and thank you so much for giving me this tour of your wonderful um, collection and continue rocking our world with your wonderful instagram content because i I always look at it because i know i'm not gonna get i just i'm so bored of that like instagram music like the one the tracks that you always hear on everything and whenever i get onto one of your stories or something i know i'm gonna get (laughs) something that's gonna wake me up and um and make me smile so thank you very much and uh delight to meet you Find Martin at Big Cactus Rescue on Instagram and he has a website, bigcactusrescue.org. It's a total delight. Please do go and check it out. That's all for this week's show. I will be back next Friday. I will see you then. We will have a good week. Let's keep this positivity going, goddammit. <laughs> Bye. The music you heard in this episode was Roll Jordan Roll by The Joy Drops, an instrument the boy called Happy Dega Kana by Samuel Corwin, and Whistle by Benjamin Banger. All tracks are licensed under Creative Commons. Visit the show notes for details. Hold up. 